Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, I don't know if you've heard, but the New York Mets are currently in the market, plumbing the depths of the job market, the dried up job market these days. Hashtag no one wants to work. And they are searching for a new general manager or president of baseball operations, whatever made up role that they hire for. And they're having a tough time finding that candidate. Billy Bean said no. David Stern said no. Theo Epstein said no from the heavens as he sits up there and looks down on the rest of the baseball world. He said no. I think you would be a good candidate for this job. So I put it to a poll if the podcast would be a better podcast if you became a general manager of an MLB team. And 111 people made their voices heard. 111 people realized that democracy dies in darkness. And so they voted. And by a 76.6% margin, well, that's not what a margin is, by a 53.2% margin, (laughs) people think that the podcast would be more interesting if you became a GM. So first, the words that you say on the podcast, yes or no, will you commit to throwing your name in the hat to become the next Mets GM? Well, first off, I want to thank the Academy for (laughs) even considering this. Uh, This is frankly a dream come true to even be in consideration. and be in a list with your man, Billy Bean. Right, exactly. We go way back. Truly. I I also want to thank the the fans for for thinking that this this podcast would be more entertaining if if I held that position. And and I know that a majority of the people did not think think that because I would lend any any insights into what it's like to running a major league team but but you know the laughs would be good i think i'd get to come on here and say i really fucked up our double a team today <laughs> man whoops oh i accidentally added an uh, a zero to the end of someone's uh arbitration number Fuck, dude. I'm going to get in so much trouble with Uncle Steve. I'm paying the seventh catcher in our system $12 million this year. (laughs) (laughs) I just think the Tipping Pitches fans are looking for a boss that they can root for. You know, they haven't had one in their life. And you're their guy. How does it feel to be on the other side of the table? Right. For people to be rooting for me to be a boss? Yeah. You know, that's tough. Um, I Problematic fave, Alex. Very obviously, I did... I did not choose the boss life, but as it turns out, the, the boss life has, has chosen me. And so this, this is my swan song as, uh, as the pro-labor guy on this, on this podcast. Finally, um, it's finally time to embrace debate. It is over. I, you know what? We're going to talk in a little bit about, um, about some, some wonderful news about minor, league, uh, minor leaguers getting housing. And... Frankly, I'm not sure how I feel about it anymore because because you've just been really that's one less free agent that I can go out and get now. And you've been deep, deep in the weeds of Alex Rodriguez's YouTube channel. So you're starting yeah. to have some thoughts, conduct some independent research about how to run a business, 
how to really make ends meet, you know, balance that budget sheet at the end of the fiscal year. Yeah, you know how it is. We're, we're out here every day grinding. I will take all the input that I can get. My LinkedIn is popping off right now. Yeah, I must say, I just wrote um, wrote like four thousand words on um, what a what a positive work mindset really means and how right. that can improve the performance of your employees. Just you by getting man- rid of manifesting your, positivity. Are you getting rid of your smartphone so you can really ground more in authentic communication as opposed to cursory <laughs> communication? I don't know that I'm I'm the the Jack Dorsey type boss yet. I hope that you've eaten in the last 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, you won't find me taking any retreats where I come back having lost like 20 pounds and like a foot-long beard. I'll tell you that much. I'd like to see you with a foot-long beard, though. I'd like to see you try out the Jack Dorsey aesthetic. Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't we? I'd like to see that, too. <laughs> Good thing my body physically will not allow that to happen. Save us all. Okay. Alex mentioned we're going to talk about the minor league housing news, of course. We have a special guest, Josh Gondelman who is a writer and executive producer of Jesus and Miro, uh, as well as the host of the Make My Day podcast. Uh, And then, of course, we will do three up, three down at the end of this here episode. It's a packed one. I'm excited to get into it. But before we do all of that good stuff, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Paisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Alex, my new favorite thing after the intro music is to do some housekeeping. Can I do some housekeeping really quickly? Promise it'll be fast. Promise. Yeah, we got our brooms out, baby. Brooms are out. Uh, brooms might be out for the Dodgers as we watch this game <laughs> yeah, down, down so 4-2. No. Uh, down 2-0 in the series. Uh, we're recording this live on Tuesday night. Um, halfway through the Dodgers game before the Red Sox and Astros game has started. But really quickly, I wanted to mention to people... Uh, this episode is episode 197 of Tipping Pitches, if we have done our math right. Chances are we haven't, although Alex is going to be a baseball GM, so he better get that math straight soon. This is episode 197 of Tipping Pitches, which means episode 200 is coming up. Of course, episode numbers and milestones are arbitrary, but let's use this as an opportunity to celebrate the fact that we've made it this far. We thought that episode 200 would be a good occasion to do a full episode as a mailbag. So hopefully, if you're listening to this right now, you will help us achieve that goal. And if not, I will go back and delete this from the archives. You can help us achieve that goal by uh, tweeting questions at us, emailing questions to us, tippingpitchespod at gmail.com, or calling into our voicemail, 785-422-5881, to ask us about anything under the sun. It can be baseball-related. It can be labor-related. It can be socialism-related. It can be unwritten rules related or I'd rather it be none of those. Honestly, it could be Taylor Swift related Taylor. Yeah, really anything that you want to hear us talk about. We're going to answer questions for the entire podcast um, and get a little bit more off topic than we usually get on this here show. So I will be reminding everybody at the beginning and probably the end of each show for the next couple weeks so that we can get a robust list of questions going for that special episode. Uh, so thank you for indulging my housekeeping. Shall we talk about minor league housing news now? Let's do it. If you're listening to this, you probably know that uh, Jeff Passan reported earlier this past weekend that uh, in mid-September, owners from the league's 30 teams agreed, this is quoting from the Jeff Passan piece, 
agreed unanimously to a plan that would provide housing for a certain for certain minor league players, the lead said in a statement. Now, they have not yet outlined their plan formally, but they are beginning to prepare to help house players across each of the four minor league levels and affiliates for each of the 30 clubs. So, obviously, the devil is going to be in the details here. Um, it's It's going to drastically affect how we feel about this policy, whether or not they means test the hell out of it. And uh, it doesn't actually mm, You help. mean like by saying certain minor leaguers? Yeah, huh. They're already, they're already setting, they're already setting themselves up here. Um, and I, you know, a lot of people were calling on us to do an emergency recap podcast. I love that, that people call on us to do an emergency podcast about it's, it's not like a big trade. It's not like post game five of Dodgers giants. People are like, let's talk about, the minutia of the <laughs> of MLB clubs providing housing to minor leaguers. Now, I will start by saying this is significantly better than it was a week ago. The fact that clubs are committing to this will make real change in a lot of real human beings' lives. Um, and that's not just the minor league players. That is the members of their family, their significant others, their kids, their extended family members who are going out of their way to support them in their journey in the baseball world. Um, this will make an impact undoubtedly. How much of an impact that makes is still up to these clubs and still up to interpretation based on the plan that they come up with. Now, having said all that, I'm going to assume that you agree with me that this is now they have now stepped over a bar that was placed lightly onto the ground. Right. Well, it is, it is solving the problem that that they created. No no applause here, please, for Major League Baseball just doing the the morally right thing after doing the morally wrong thing for years, for decades. For for many minor leaguers, most of their paycheck, if not all of it, will go to go to housing every week every month. And like you said, this this ripple effect goes far beyond just the players themselves because they actually have the means to take care of their families and the and the people around them after being set up for failure by by Major League Baseball, the corporation. Right? We've talked ad nauseum uh, about how you know they were they were they're excluded from. Uh, minimum wage laws through the Save America's Pastime Act, and executives use every opportunity they they get to cut corners with them in actually providing them with the 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 tools they need to let, live a a fulfilling life, right? Just a basic human human life. Like the like the rest of us aspire to do, right? And this is like the flawed we, we, version of life in Maslow's hierarchy. Exactly. <laughs> they don't even have that. Yeah. I mean, I think back to um, last year when the maybe it was this year. I don't fucking know. It's times just doesn't exist in my brain anymore. Uh, when the photos were circulating of the the lunches that were being given to to minor leaguers, right? And this is. Hap, come up on more than one occasion, right? But this little slice of bread and the little little speck of American cheese, right? A little a little drop of an un- unidentified meat on there, one wilted piece of lettuce, right? This is moves like 
providing housing mean that a player can actually go and get himself a a real meal that is actually sustainable and will be beneficial to his health. So like you said, this is far overdue. And while I don't think that Major League Baseball deserves any credit for this per se, I do think you have to give a massive amount of credit to all of the people who got us here, right? And that's advocates for minor leaguers and more than baseball and the the collection of uh, media members who have been covering this over the last couple of years, right? Between Britt Giroli and Evan Drellich and you mentioned Jeff Passan and June Lee and 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 the list goes on and on. These are the, the people who are the reason why we are where we are today. Not not the suits up in the up in the skyboxes. Yeah. Co-sign on all of those people that you mentioned then and then of course um a, a more recent development in the last few months is more actual minor leaguers willing to go on the record. I think of a guy mm. like Kieran Lovegrove, who's at the end of his minor league career by his own admission, but who went on the record with all of the gory details about both personal and professional things that had sprung up from the way that he was treated in the minor leagues. Um, you know, all of this is, comes within the context that most minor leaguers still make less than $15,000 a year. Most minor leaguers do not sign signing bonuses over 10000 or 20000 or 50000 or whatever. And that signing bonus is expected to last for six full years, which is just <laughs> an insane understanding of what it costs to do things in America in 2021. Um, can, can you, w- would you like to come along on my cynical journey of this, Alex? Uh, I'm glad that you framed it in this way because... I completely agree that this is solving a problem that they created. Now, what purpose does that serve for them? To me, it serves... I, I am, okay, real quick. It's out of the goodness of their hearts, okay? As oh. the resident GM, I was in the room when we were having this discussion, and we just looked around and we were like, it's time, folks. What's the right thing to do? Exactly. We can be leaders of men today. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what purpose does this serve for them? Well. I think in their minds, they think it takes the heat off of them. They're like, all right, minor league's solved, right? right? We'll throw Everything's them good now. Everything's good now, right? And it's just a, it's a classic tactic that you see from capital, from corporations, from uh, ownership that you create a problem that you then solve so that you can play a mind game with employees and then in this case with the public because there's such a vested public interest in all of this. But it, it's no different than when uh, when all of the propaganda was coming out about Prop 22 in California and rideshare apps are saying, we let drivers make their own schedule. This doesn't feel that different to me. Heading into a CBA fight where um, public perception is going to matter, you know, it's not going to be the only thing that matters, but it's going to be something that matters. They Owners have known that this is a losing battle that they can't wage in the public. And as more and more players have been wearing fair ball, wristbands that you've seen more and more major league players during the playoffs wearing this it's clearly something that's at the forefront of conversation and so i'm sure that they felt like they needed to do something to address it that is my cynical view of the timing of all of this and to that point i don't think that we should take any of the heat off i think that this just goes to show that we should keep the heat on 
because this was something the owners were willing to give in on because they did it once they started to feel public pressure. But something that they are probably not willing to give in on, the reason that you give on this, the reason that you quote-unquote appease on this, even though that's such a gross way of framing this, but you know that's the way that they're thinking about it deep down to their core because they hadn't done it yet to this point. The reason that you appease on this is because you don't want them to form a union and to demand this because then they can start demanding other stuff. And now that we've seen it work, now that we've seen public organization, public protesting, publicity affect change in this way, I think that I am optimistic that if the forces in support of minor leaguers do not backslide, that we can use this to spring us forward with even more momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Well well put. And there's no doubt in my mind that this was done largely to quell greater calls for better conditions more broadly in the minor league or in the minor leagues, including but not limited to a union itself, right? And will absolutely down the road be used as a cudgel uh, to push back against actual meaningful change in other areas of the game, right? They can say, well, look, you don't need a union. You asked for these things and we gave it to you. I, the, the, the deeply cynical part of Major League Baseball's uh, messaging around this was the, the parts in which it was not even discussing the, the housing itself, but when it was in its statement to ESPN about the, the, the news that they'd be providing housing they they also listed off the other laundry list of of things that they are doing to help out minor leaguers right now right they're engaged in a multi-year effort to modernize the minor league system they're adding hundreds of millions of dollars worth of improvements to minor league ballparks they increased salaries bobby for minor leaguers by 38 to 72 percent that sounds so good that's amazing they increased salaries up to 72%, that is that is next level, man. I wonder why it is that they didn't put the dollar amounts of what they <laughs> increased it up to, right? Because yeah. 9,000 up to 12,000 doesn't, uh, doesn't look so good when you actually drill down to the brass tacks of what's actually going on. At least they didn't put out a statement that made them look like Amazon when they flagrantly denied that their drivers have to pee in bottles while making deliveries. Mm -hmm. It's like, (laughs) you include the dollar numbers, you might be getting yourself into Amazon territory there. Yeah, my my shirt saying that um, (laughs) our drivers don't pee into bottles have a lot of people asking questions, etc., etc. But, I mean, all that to say, the spin doctoring really never stops with them. Yeah, they're like, everything is fixed, everything is fine. And it always has been. That's like, that's union busting 101. Mm Mm-hmm. Is look at all this great stuff that we gave you as if like they are these all powerful, all controlling warlords who give out these rations whenever they feel it's necessary to quell an uprising. It's like, guys, relax. These are these people are human beings working for you, providing the thing, the literal thing that makes your product so popular. The players playing the game (laughs) like, I mean, okay. Once again, as the GM here, I can personally say I've never met a minor leaguer. <laughs> I, you say they're human beings, but I've never seen one. Have you? 
<laughs> there are no photos of my <laughs> You can't prove it. You can't prove that they're real. Um, anyway, I, I, you know, we, I wish we could have a longer conversation about what this means in the future, but there's a lot of questions about that. Um, yeah. And we just have to see. We just have to see what the terms of this are. We have to see. Um, we have to see if it even means that they're going to provide housing. Or if they're just going to provide some BS stipend and it still makes it really hard for the actual individual themselves to find a place to live. Now, mm-hmm. organizations like More Than Baseball have helped to bridge that gap. They find apartments that are available within a player's price range or that are available within a housing stipend that More Than Baseball can provide. And then maybe now that Major League Baseball will provide. But that's not really MLB solving this problem. That's MLB saying, we'll put a little bit of money towards this problem and then let other people solve it, which yeah. I don't think is the resounding, I don't think is worthy of the resounding positive uh, response that it got and should be called out as such. Yeah. I. This is a cost that, I mean, per a couple executives in Jeff Paston's article, this is an initiative that will cost each team a million dollars, like at most, at most, that's that they gain that back in arbitration, like every year, you know, this is why they were fighting so hard for arbitration all along. <laughs> They're just like, we, right, we exactly. just needed to find the money for housing for our minor <laughs> leaguers. So now is arbitration good, Alex, you the GM on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's going somewhere. It's Make sure you win not- those arbitration fights. Do not let <laughs> who's an arbitration player on the men's right now. <laughs> <laughs> do not let Jeff McNeil get what he's owed <laughs> for the love of God how are also, my don't leaguers... look un- don't look under my bed um, in the box titled uh, arbitration money please <laughs> okay uh, let's take a quick break and when we come back Josh Gondel alright we are now joined by Josh Gondelman comedian a writer, producer for Jesus and Miro. Um, Josh, I'm realizing that I introed you in the intro of this episode, which is like, you know how podcasts work, like 20 minutes before you're actually going to be <laughs> sure, here. Sure, sure, sure. But I didn't say why you were going to come on. So first of all, hello. Hello. Thank <laughs> so you nice for joining you. us. It's Thank nice you for to having you. me. Um, I didn't tell people that you're here to make a case for why the Red Sox are not evil and terrible and awful and mm-hmm. why neutral observers should be actually rooting for the Red Sox. But first of all, do you want to talk about your relationship to baseball and the Red Sox in general? Or are you just like really in on the postseason now? Have you been following them all season? Are you like every single 162 games? I have been following. I'm not a 162 game watcher. Like I don't have the whatever the baseball app is. Uh, MLB Red Zone, I think it's called. <laughs> um, but I don't, I you know, but I check in. It's like a thing that like if I'm out doing stand up, I'll. I'll check the score on my phone if I'm like waiting to go up and I, and I follow generally every couple few days I'll check in on the standings. So I, I have some baseball writer friends that I have been kind of checking in with through this season, starting about three weeks or a month in. And I just, uh, every once in a while text them, are the Red Sox dot, dot, dot good this year? (laughs) Question mark, question mark, question mark, because that was not expected uh, i didn't expect it certainly maybe maybe i imagine the players did because you know i think to be a professional athlete you have to believe in your abilities and those of your colleagues but i don't think i mean they were were they last in the american league east last year not yes, last i believe no i think they were last, I think they did below the last. orioles yeah very bad oh wait no no, and, no 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 they did not finish below the orioles right. they were second no. to last the orioles had so the they, worst no 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 wait 
I actually don't know. Let's try. <laughs> they were bad. They were bad. <laughs> we're supposed to be good. the experts here. Um, yeah, I don't feel bad not knowing things. <laughs> I'm not here to know anything. So, and, and historically. <laughs> they did finish last. One game behind the Orioles. How about that? Incredible. Well, Truly you know. incredible. Um, last in the league. And that's where they've kind of been for the last decade is just like a true uh, sinoid wave of a baseball team. Just like winning a World Series and then falling off a cliff and then winning a World Series and then uh, trading Mookie Betts. And then uh, finishing one game behind the Orioles. And so it has been a real roller coaster. My brief history of the Red Sox, I was born in 1985. Uh, so my first experience of a Red Sox game, I'm sure, was my, or of, of a Red Sox like history, was I'm sure my dad trying desperately not to swear in front of me as a one and one half year old <laughs> as uh, Bill Buckner. Um, let a ball dribble between his legs. Also, vindication for Bill Buckner. He did not lose in the series. Uh, I feel like someone's going to beat me up if I pin it all on Bill Buckner. And then I grew up in the kind of lean 90s where the teams were mediocre. There were a few play- great players to root for. I-, I loved the team, but it was also that era of like deep in the curse of Babe Ruth as as year 86 inched closer. Roger Clemens leaving becoming a super villain with the Blue Jays and Yankees tormenting me personally, it felt like. And then uh, 2003, I had to lead. I was I was in college outside of Boston, uh, not Harvard, which <laughs> I have to specify. <laughs> Brandeis, but no one knows where that is. And my buddy Matt, who's from Newton, Massachusetts, shout out to, to Matty Francis. He almost fought half our friends because when Aaron Boone hit the home run uh, to, in that, to end that series. And so, uh, and then in, in 04, when they, they won the World Series, uh, great relief. I said to my parents, I think grandpa can die happy. My father said, don't let him hear you. He might get ideas. <laughs> so it's like very, uh, it feels very, like germane to my life, but I grew up in the period where I, I, I think there's there's a great perceived arrogance about New England sports fans now. But in the time where I was growing up, there was the idea that that you you participated in part because of the tremendous agony of always losing. Right, <laughs> that I, was part of the draw. I assume you grew up in Red Sox country. You don't just like yes. have a deep, deep self-loathing and you just chose this random team and <laughs> no, 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 from no, no, in no. Boston. <laughs> yeah, just choosing to be a Red Sox fan and as a six-year-old in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I don't know, Mike Greenwell was left-handed. That did something for me as a lefty. Um, I grew up in Stoneham, Massachusetts, hometown of athlete who endured great agony, Nancy Kerrigan. Mm. To, this is my parents, very New England loyal, to the point where my parents will not watch the movie I, Tanya out of loyalty <laughs> to Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> Fact. I love that. I must respect that. Deeply. I And I, I love that about them. I think that is, like, I find that admirable. Um, I think that commitment, that staunch commitment decades after the original sin and the kind of public vind- vindication, not vindication, but the public exoneration and rehabilitation of Tanya Harding. I find that that grudge to be very New England. Uh, I am deeply from Massachusetts. I am Jewish and not in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the idea that like your parents are sitting there like, maybe Tanya Harding will get some money if we watch this and we don't want that. <laughs> I think it was if just If we like, see this movie, Tanya Harding is going to is, benefit. <laughs> I will say it is 
it is part grudge and part like a deep, my parents are so sweet and they have such a deep empathy that I think they would feel like they were betraying hometown hero and Olympic medalist, Nancy Kerrigan. Because it's it's cleaning up the character of the person who for, for decades was thought to have almost personally taken a crowbar to sure, Kerrigan's right. knees, right? So her. like, right. It, 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 but it also feels like the Tanya Sans was mm-hmm. kind of, and nothing against Tanya Harding, um, who I, who I, who I know is know, listening right now. I Tanya Harding gonna, thinks yeah. loves Tanya lefty Hard- baseball podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think, I think history did her wrong, but I do think in the cultural rehabilitation of, uh, justified rehabilitation of Tanya Harding's public image, it kind of happened without a parallel, like, but there was a victim of a violent crime here. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's, she's not the enemy either. <laughs> Josh, you know very well that society can't hold multiple nuanced opinions about multiple <laughs> women at the same time. Come on. <laughs> Especially in sports. Certainly not in sports. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that is kind of my, my history. Uh, I, I went way off the rails here. But like, lifelong Red Sox fan. And I was, I feel proud of myself for kind of tracking this season from the beginning and 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 like you know I didn't jump on just for the playoffs but also I live in New York City so I don't have a ton of opportunity to watch games and there are so many games and I'm back out at night now that stand up comedy exists again so yeah. I haven't I didn't watch a ton of the games until the playoffs but I was like oh this is exciting and there's a lot of players from when they were good before they got very bad which is only 3 years ago so you know um getting to to watch uh Xander Bogarts play for another uh very good team is like is delightful and like the Chris Sale uh, comeback from injury is like very very nice to see but anyway that I I am excited to make a case for my beloved hometown <laughs> baseball team I'm 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 curious before before you jump into that because you are as you said a Red Sox fan living in New York City Mm-hmm. Um, some of the people with whom you work very closely <laughs> <laughs> happen to be diehard Yankees fans. Absolutely. What is what is that relationship in? Do you like? Is it the kind of thing where you just can't be in the group chats come October? Like, we, there's a separation of church and state. You leave all that stuff at the door. We talk about it, and they, because Jesus and Marrow, my bosses, are enormous Yankee fans, and I work with other. Yankee fans mm-hmm. and uh but Deez Zamara specifically gave me a ton of shit about it about Yankees and Red Them? Sox. No. And it, it, yeah, <laughs> I, I could know, never exactly. imagine that. But um I mean it it started truly in my interview for this job. I interviewed in November 2018. The Red Sox had won had clinched the World <laughs> Series victory the night before. Oh yeah. And I walked nice. into the interview and Jesus said uh but you feel pretty fucking good today because we knew of each other already. <laughs> he knew I was from Boston. He goes, but you feel pretty fucking good today. And he said, yeah, it feels amazing. You should try it sometime. It's great to win the World Series. <laughs> and uh, and so that truly the genesis of our in-person relationship is talking trash about Red Sox, Yankees. And so they were, when the Yankees eclipsed the Red Sox in the standings over the summer, they were really giving me hell about it at work, and it was it was pretty brutal. Uh, and then this, the first, we were on hiatus for a few weeks, and then we came back this week. The, the show started with <laughs> them saying, uh, congratulations to Josh and his Boston Red Sox, and he said, thank <laughs> you. 
I feel amazing. And they said, uh, Josh, we're going to beat you up. <laughs> and I, they said, we're going to jump you. And I said, shouldn't someone here get to be happy? And they said, no. <laughs> so that is, um, it is like very, truly the, the Red Sox winning the one game wild card series against the Yankees was enormous for me both personally and professionally <laughs> i really needed that and until uh, until the series because the rays were such heavy favorites and because i'm kind of a casual follower of major league baseball like i saw that they were really good they um kind of an unexpected story it felt like to me and, and so i was like wow the narrative is really like the the red Sox who kind of pulled it together this season are up against this juggernaut AL East leading Rays team. And so I was like, look, if if it had just been the Red Sox beating the Yankees to get into the division series, Dayenu, as the Jews say, it would have been enough. Um, but then to win that series, now I'm like deeply unhealthfully invested. <laughs> <laughs> just like the rest of us. Yep. You got the taste back. You got a little blood in the water. Absolutely. That's what it is. They they chummed the waters and now um psychologically it's very bad for me (laughs) (laughs) well i think that that means that it's time for you to make the case now on your wonderful and uplifting and great to listen to podcast make my day you and your guests give a pep talk at the end of every episode now we can imagine this as a bit of a pep talk for the fan who's kind of on the fence the neutral fan who thinks maybe they like the players on the red Sox, but they just can't get over the hump of rooting for those uniforms, those jerseys, those mm-hmm. fans up there in Boston who have become, you know, I think reasonably, it's it's reasonable to say who've become quite annoying in this century. Um, so this Josh century, sure. It's been, like, it's been a big century for us. <laughs> <laughs> so all that for- being said... Let's hear you make your case. For okay. for context, we're not extending this invitation, as far as I know, to <laughs> fans of any of the other teams. <laughs> so you go as in as you want. If you want to trash Perfect. the Braves, this is a safe space to do so. Look. I'm certainly not going to let a Braves fan come on here and defend the <laughs> God, no. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's, okay, first of all, I like this team a lot. I think they're really fun. They have a collection of players that... Um, that are easy to root for. I think like Raphael Devers is so uh, such a, a great hitter and so likable, and like overcame how how kind of clunky his fielding and his throwing was early in his career. I think like it, it's just a, it's been great to watch him develop as a player. Uh, Alex Verdugo coming over from the Dodgers in the Mookie Betts trade, which people felt was so lopsided. It's great to see him um, play really well. I know I have Dodgers fan friends who are. I'm not going to name names. I don't want to put anybody on blast who are big Kike Hernandez fans that, that are excited just to watch him. So they, so they have Chris Sale, as I mentioned, coming back from this injury that kept him out for such a long time. There are players to root for. And there isn't that kind of like goofy exuberance of like the Kevin Millar years, right? The cowboy up kind of too slogany. Like, I, all right, we get it. That's enough. Um, I think if it had been that this year, it would have been too much for people. But let's quickly take a tour around the other teams playing, shall we? Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers won last year. They're from Los Angeles. Neither of those things should in- endear them to the rest of America. <laughs> I think that's 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 um, nothing against them. I just think they had their turn. It was last year. LA has enough. They've got LeBron. They've got everything. Um, I said this as a resentful Bostonian and New Yorker, which is just like an absolute Voltron of feeling less than. Um, mm-hmm. Compared to LA, especially. Uh, 
the the Atlanta Braves. If people, I think people, um, and this is I I don't have me saying this as a as a white person. I understand the problematic nature of that. I at Boston does not have a spotless record in terms of racial equity and equality. <laughs> I will say only one team left in the playoffs has a fairly team sanctioned racist cheer that happens every game. Uh, so that's, that's, every that's the inning. Braves. No, you can't root yeah. for the Braves. Every inning. <laughs> can't, have, <laughs> can't root for the Braves. Um, the Houston Astros, uh, the most hated team in major league baseball. I think the, the hate for the Red Sox comes from the hate of, of Boston and Boston sports based uh, 21st century cockiness. The Astros hate comes from their team being ravaged by a cheating scandal two years ago. You can't root for the Astros against the Red Sox. Now, that is, um, we were talking off mic. I, I, I got started too early. But uh, to root for the Astros is to watch uh, every Batman film and root for the Joker. Just to be like, you know, the Joker has a few good points. And it's like, yeah, that's why it's a compelling drama. But you don't side with the Joker. Um, all that is to say... Uh, the the greatest, the, I mean, to me, the, the real culmination of this this season, I, and I think even the fan exuberance has gotten us some some really fun moments. Alex Rodriguez having to broadcast post game in like a one of those things you drop divers down into when they're gonna hang out with sharks, <laughs> and just the fans <laughs> booing him while he broadcasts is like so funny. I can't imagine they're gonna put the the booth, the post game booth there tonight after what happened last time, last night, where it was inaudible. And they were not only because of how loud the fans are, because of how much they were cursing and true and just had to bleep, which is just like beautiful comedy as A Rod sits there and goes, You know, I've always loved playing in Boston. And it's like, <laughs> Did you? Do you? Wow. It's like, I, cause you know, if they do it tonight, he's just gonna snap and be like, Fuck Fenway Park. Fuck Ben Affleck. <laughs> Fuck this yeah, I think, that, I think the fans had a J-Lo chant at one point going last That's night. so like, spiteful. And uh, it's like, look, a woman is not a, a man's property, not a prize to be won. But I do, uh, I'm conflicted because it is very funny to make Alex Rodriguez feel bad <laughs> as he broadcasts a baseball game. <laughs> so that is, that is my pitch. I think this is a... And they finished last in the American League East last year. Nobody expected this. This is a classic um, worst to first turnaround. I don't, I'm not asking people, this is my plea to your listeners. I'm not asking them to love the Red Sox enduringly. I think that they, I would, I would be mad if they did, if they started now. I would consider them bandwagon fans and I would reject them. (laughs) However, uh, because that's, but that's my um, neurosis. (laughs) But I think, this season, there are four teams remaining, and there is one team that clearly deserves America's sympathy and appreciation and rooting interest, and that is my case for the Boston Red Sox. Hell yeah. Give it up. <laughs> Alex, did Josh, did Josh just come on here and make a an argument straight from the Democratic Party platform of we're not the other guys? <laughs> <laughs> is that what just happened here on Tipping Pitches? I did. I really, I really was like, look, the Red Sox know how to get things done. They, they have <laughs> a return to normalcy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't, you won't have to look at Twitter every day, worrying <laughs> that the Yankees' official Twitter account is going to get us into some kind of nuclear war with Iran. <laughs> that's just that's me. The the centrist argument for the Boston Red Sox. 
that it really truly does resonate to an extent that that they are kind of the 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 centrist choice just because i throughout the year have just not felt a strongly about them in any way you know mm-hmm. like like growing up um and watching the the red sox teams of the early 2000s and featuring some of the characters that it featured like um like Dustin Pedroia sure. and like Jason Veritek and Manny Ramirez right all guys who very easily kind of leaned into the heel position mm-hmm. right and it was very easy and even fun for myself and i think a lot of people to to hate them right they mm-hmm. were really in my and my mom growing up as a Yankees fan right it's like it's very very uh, you can easily slip seamlessly into into hate for the Red Sox and this year i'm just kind of like <sighs> It's like demoralizing. Like I don't know. I don't have it in it. I, I don't have it in me to date them. It was like a weird season to me because I don't know. Like it, it, like they finished what second in the American League East. Easily could have lost one more game and finished outside the playoffs entirely. So there wasn't like there was no like team of destiny exuberance. It was like up and down even right at the end. So there was no like, we're surging at the right time. We're making this playoff push. It was almost like, please don't let us fall out of the playoffs and and as, as a fan. And so there wasn't like this kind of like, it didn't even get into the, the position until like this week, truly of like, Hey, our guys are making some noise. Like it was really like, oh, thank God we're not last again. And just like, please don't let the Yankee fans in my life call me and gloat. Yeah. They are playing a bit with house money right now. Um, it, I mean, it really felt like that, after, especially after the wildcard game. I was like, well, th- given the expectations coming into this season, they've so far exceeded that already that I feel great. And then again, once they beat the Rays, I was like, I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I can't tell if this is a point in favor of your argument that neutral fans should root for the Red Sox or a point against it. But if Alex Cora goes two for two with a one-year uh, gap year in between two for two with two World Series. That's like relatively historic throughout baseball history. It like no first the... year manager had ever won it, and now he's yeah. just going to win it in the next year that he manages. I mean, that's Real... kind of insane. Grover Cleveland vibes. <laughs> 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 just like a, it's like really weird. And I do, I will allow that Alex Cora's involvement with the Houston Astros is not a point in favor of the the joy and um sports purity of this Red Sox team. However, as as someone from Massachusetts, it would be very funny. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, um, just wipe your hands of it and say what's going to be the funniest outcome. It, it is the I mean, there is the, look, again, as coming on the the Lefty Baseball podcast to say this, I think we can all acknowledge uh Donald Trump, one of the the worst people living in America. His yeah, not a not a not a fan here. Not a fan. For sure, for sure. His statement on the death of Colin Powell, <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> Topical references only here. Worst person you know. <laughs> Worst person you know makes a good point. Yeah. It's also um. Gosh, we need um we need a new one because because that's such like an iconic Onion article, right? Worst person know. you know just made a great point. We need one for like uh artistic. Or athletic hero of your youth just said thing that made you fall out of love with them forever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's called the Mike Piazza endorsing Larry Elder in the California <laughs> Recall. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's called uh, Tom Glavin uh, showing oh. up at at, a, uh, at like a fundraiser 
with uh with Trump for for who's the who's the candidate who's in vogue right now? I can't even remember his name off the top Herschel of my head. Walker. Yeah, there he is. Madison oh, Carthorn. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Oof. Real bad. But I do, I mean, obviously that's not satire. I understand what the onion is, but like I was just thinking about that the other day. Cause mm-hmm. like worst person you know just made a great point is like such an iconic, wonderful like truly great piece of American satire writing. And, but then the opposite, I'm like, Oh, that's true. A lot of the time too. favorite person in your life just disappointed you to the point of like losing faith in the world. That's true. Far more often. If we're being quite honest, favorite person, you know, just killed your last bit of hope. (laughs) Um, Okay, Josh, uh, thank you so much for making that case. I, I do wonder if listeners will will hear it and take it to heart. We'll have to check back in next week. Thank you for joining us here on Tipping Pitches. Do you want to let people know where they can find Make My Day? Sure. Obviously, they know where to find Jesus and Miro, where you do great work. Thank you. Um, I'm at Josh Gondelman on Twitter and Instagram, joshgondelman.com. I have a couple stand-up albums if you want to listen to those. Um, yeah, podcast, Jesus and Miro. I'm... I'm around. I'm I'm on Wait Wait Don't Tell Me pretty frequently. Um, so if you if you listen to that, you'll hear me. Um, and then yeah, just maybe I'll be at, at at the Knicks Celtics game, masked up, screaming into my mask tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to find me there, I'll probably be there. Hell yeah! <laughs> Thank you Thank so much you for so having much. me. This was such a pleasure. Thanks, Josh. Keep my conscience clear. That's why I'm so magnetic. Manifested, I Okay, thank you to Josh Gondelman. Tipping pitches listeners, let us know. Did Josh Gondelman convince you to root for the Red Sox? I I feel like no, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Sometimes I miss the pulse of the tipping pitches listeners. Sometimes they surprise me. I was surprised when they said they wanted you to become a GM. Mm-hmm. I thought that we said no bosses ever around here. No GMs. Get rid of the position of GM before Alex Well, to, 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 to be fair, to be fair to our listeners, I believe the question was not necessarily, should I become a GM? But would that make this podcast more interesting? Right. Okay. To which the answer was a pretty resounding yes. See, I think it would make it less interesting because you'd have to pull punches. And the best is when you just come out here and you're like, Yes, I will fight John Fisher to the death with a broken stick. Right, exactly. Like when the Joker snaps the pool stick in half and says, whoever <laughs> whoever lives gets to stay in my crew. Um, too much Joker talk in this podcast. Yeah, lots let's, of Joker talk. Let's go to three up, three down instead. Hopefully the Joker doesn't feature in this one. By the way, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Like I mentioned, um, Josh just finished making his claim as to why he should root for the Red Sox, and they are now winning two to one. And they're up to one in the series as we speak. Yep. We're, we're not going to finish recording this by the end of the Red Sox game. And this is going to come out later tonight. But uh, how about the Grand Slam in this Red Sox game, guys? Feels pretty wow. safe to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a safe bet. Uh, safe bet brought to you by Bleep. Because I can't say any of the names of sports betting companies. Because <laughs> uh, All right. Three of three down. Let's do it. Let's start with, uh, let's start with down. Okay. Let's start with down this week. Do you uh, do you want me to kick it off? You can kick it off, or I can kick it off. Right. Or nope, I'm no. Nope. We can I just heard talk you can at kick the it same, off. So we can talk at the same time. We can say them at the same time. We can same at the same time. Bad. Do your down. All right, my first down this week. As you mentioned, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. We are in in the twilight of Game Three 
of the NLCS. As as I as I say these words, the Dodgers are down five two. I do not know how this game will end, but regardless of the outcome, as uh, as the Dodgers have their backs up against the wall, and really regardless of how this season ends in general, my first down is the end of this Dodgers core because. I have never seen such a stacked team maybe in my life, like over the course of the last four or five years, right? The core that they have put together has had probably the, the most pure talent on a, on a team year to year that I have seen in my lifetime. If you think about, I, you know, you can think about this year alone and Scherzer and Trey Turner obviously add to that mix. But even outside of that, guys like Chris Taylor and Clayton Kershaw, guys whose whose career in white and blue are potentially coming to an end, it really is, I think, a, a somewhat som- somber moment, certainly for Dodgers fans, maybe, maybe less so for uh, fans of other NL West teams, but <laughs> it, it, it is a kind of remarkable thing to, to look back on, reflect on both the amount of talent there and also the, I mean, it's weird to say that they underperformed, but that they only got one ring out of it is. Wow. You're just writing them off. <laughs> right on I was saying it's done <laughs> one, maybe two. I don't know that 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 changes things necessarily. And again, they have sat at the top of the the NL West for effectively the last decade, right? So I don't think anyone's and they're cashing the, their checks. I don't think anyone is crying over there uh, in the Dodgers front office. But it has felt like such a consistent team year over year, and it's the kind of consistency that you really don't see anymore from baseball teams. That yeah. retention of talent year in and year out the willingness to extend guys and actually add on to the the core talented players that they already have it's weird it's kind of a bittersweet moment even as someone who is doesn't consider myself an active dodgers fan as a baseball fan it's i don't know what is this next dodgers era gonna look like yeah as the resident lifelong dodgers fan of the podcast always been a dodgers fan uh-huh. always lived in LA my whole life I've never mm-hmm. rooted for any other team and I don't acknowledge any other fandoms um, you're right it is weird it's like a oh shit oh shit Cody Bellinger just tied it up That's right he did <laughs> holy shit wow hold on I need to send my Luke Jackson tweet now so as I was saying, the the Dodgers who are on their way to a uh, second straight World Series victory, it does feel a little bit like Ship of Theseus question when uh, how many guys you have to replace before it really feels like the same era of Dodger baseball is keeping Dave Roberts enough to make it feel like that is Clayton Kershaw the keystone of this? I don't know, and I'm not the person to litigate that, but I think it is just a feel thing, right? And if you lose Chris Taylor and Justin Turner. And Clayton Kershaw, which they cannot do. They have to bring Clayton Kershaw back. He cannot wear another uniform. He cannot make another team's hat so disgusting that I can smell it through the TV screen in October, even when he's not playing. That's just, we cannot allow that to happen, by the way. Um, I think you're right. 
but you know, testament to them for keeping it together until they actually won one. And it just goes to show you how hard it is to actually win a World Series and how I will say this again without mentioning the name of a team that plays in Tampa Bay. You need to put all the chips on the table to win, even if you are the best team. Uh, so you went to the Dodgers for your first down. I'm going to go to the Braves for my first down. Alex, my first down this week is the chop. It's disgusting. And it should embarrass Atlanta executives, MLB executives, Liberty Media, who owns the Atlanta Braves, Atlanta coaches, Atlanta managers, honestly, Atlanta players. Now, like, I'm not going to say that the blame is on the players, but if every single player came out every day and said, stop doing the chop, I feel like, you know, you don't want to lose your home fan base, but I feel like most people would probably stop doing the chop. Now, I saw Aaron Dolan, former guest of this podcast, saying on Twitter that she thinks that MLB should come out the way that UEFA or, or FIFA has come out and said that they will start finding teams, finding clubs whose cheering sections make racist chants or do racist chants or whatever, because this is a bit of an epidemic in European soccer right now and always has been. Um, Boston Red Sox fans in shambles right now. (laughs) Um, John Henry in shambles right now. Uh, I don't know if MLB would ever entertain anything like that. I agree with Aaron that there is more that they could be doing. Atlanta has basically co-signed this, even though they've stopped playing messages telling fans to do it they are still doing the drum beat that they can do along with they're still playing the sounds that they can do it along with they are not taking any action to make this stop um so they're kind of in this in between period where they're like they're not officially endorsing it full-throatedly but they're definitely not condemning it um so that is my first down this week it's just it's impossible to enjoy a baseball game played in atlanta which is unfortunate because they the have a have lot of good. Ga- games have been good and they have a lot of players that in any other context would be really easy to root for. And for all accounts and purposes are really easy to root for. Like, would I die for Aussie Albies? Probably. Oh my God. I probably best. would. I, I, you know, a few weeks ago, you mentioned Ronald Acuna Jr., right? And not being able to watch him this postseason. And I, you want to talk about the future of baseball. That's him right there. And the fact that every single one of their home, game, home games is marred by this is, yeah, frankly, an embarrassment on, on the sport. The fact that we're seeing this on the national stage in some of the biggest games of the season is, uh, I don't know, requires a reckoning on behalf of baseball, as you said. Absolutely. And... This is not new, right? Like, this is not just a chant that they came up with this year. We've had years and years and years and years and years to reckon, and they just haven't done it. Uh, all right, what's next down for you? Next down for me is uh, this is an easy one. This is this is on your bingo card. It's uh, it's Rob Manfred on the Oakland A's. <laughs> Rob Manfred, what position? <laughs> Ooh. Last week, he spoke at a a conference hosted by the Sports Business Journal, which is always where you want to see the commissioner of your league uh, discussing the future of the sport. The Sports Business Journal is like this guy's podcast. Like you just (laughs) get the raw, unfiltered takes through. It was incredibly. He was very chummy with the interviewer. Like I, it was. It would have been enjoyable if it wasn't so bleak. Um, But uh, but the the 
subject of the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays was broached uh, in this in this discussion. He he didn't really d- discuss the Rays, noting that it, quote at least their ballpark is playable. Uh, but he he went on to say that uh, both the teams, Oakland and Tampa, need new facilities. Uh, Oakland is quote critical just in terms of the condition of the ballpark, and uh, and that we need to find a way to get new ballparks built. And frankly, in some ways, we're not sure we see a path to success in terms of getting something built in Oakland. Relocation is a possibility. They've been talking to Las Vegas. It's gotten a lot of publicity. But there are options in terms of relocation in addition. They're not sure they see a path to success in terms of getting something built in Oakland. A pregnant pause. <laughs> I, I can almost let that speak for itself. You, the listener, know why it's yeah. a down for me. We you, did Bobby episode. Wagner. We did many know, episodes about this. Know why it's a down for me. But once again, this is just manufacturing consent for the ultimate uh, departure of the of the A's from Oakland, right? This is people on all sides chiming in and saying, well, we don't think it's feasible until the fans throw their hands up and either agree or say, like they did this September, that they're not interested in coming to, to games anymore because of the constant threats of leaving, at which point, MLB and the and John Fisher can turn around and say, "Well, well, look, you guys abandoned us. We, this is why we can't build a stadium here. It's not feasible. We don't have the support to do it. We're going to go like elsewhere, right?" And it's this self fulfilling prophecy because they are ostensibly the ones who hold all the cards in this situation, and exactly. it's 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 really bullshit. I mean, it's different week, same shit, and I'm I'm really tired of it. It's just. We don't see a path here. It's such a way. It's such an interesting way to phrase it. Because whose job is it to chart a path? Who else involved in this equation is trying to figure out this path? If not John Fisher and Rob Manfred, those are the only people who can chart a path. If I get on a city bus and the bus driver turns to me and says, "I don't know where to go," what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm going to get off the bus. Like I'm not going to be a fan anymore of the A's if you can't find a path. If I'm uh, if I'm living in Oakland and I'm an A's fan, I'm just not going to be a fan anymore of the A's if they just can't find a path to keep the A's in Oakland, the Oakland A's who have been there for 80 years or however long they've been there. I don't actually know. It's like it's again back to our point about minor league housing. You've created a problem and now you're dictating the solution that you think serves you best in this scenario. It is truly bullshit. Yes, sir. Nothing changes. Okay, next down for you. My next down is also something that Rob Manfred might have mentioned or talked about with the Sports Business Journal. Maybe it was off the record. Maybe it was on the record. Doesn't matter. My next down is the just the ads during the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> it's not every ad. It's not every commercial. I get it. Whatever. But the incessant FTX ads, the Moonblast ads, Moonblast, not a thing. That's not a thing. Um. The gambling integration on screen about Walker Bueller strikeouts in the second inning, the Lone Depot ads that play every time you open the TBS streaming app to put on an NL game. Um, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. And it's like a real, this society has 
failed long ago moment for me every time I see one of those ads where it's like, I'm trying to enjoy baseball. And it's like, here's this company that's the only way you can get a home. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is dark. This, and it just so happens to be the company that has the naming rights for the Marlins. Like, right. Yeah. Loan Depot. Loan Depot. Loan. What is a loan? It's somebody owning your life. But it's a family company that gives people roofs. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. And it would be, it's any, it's, it's just the nature of the ads that get served to people and the society that we've built that have facilitated them. That is my down. I know it's a big one, but. God, I pine for the days of just like a Carl's Jr. ad featuring Mark <laughs> McGuire or something like that, you know, watching the burger just fucking rocket down onto that table, right? Seeing each ingredient pile on top of each other. Right. That's that good. Shit. I like a, I like camping world. Bring back camping world. Bring good yeah. Sam. Sell me trailers. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Where's where's the Doosan representation that we that we really crave I want and desire? Products. I don't want like money manipulation companies. Right. I can deal with regular old industrial revolution capitalism. Like I've ingested that and that's part of me now. Yeah. But when it's like, <laughs> here is this money laundering company, I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this really who you want to be in bed with? And the answer, Alex, as always, is yes. It, uh, it really, it, it really makes you wonder what the ads are going to be next. Like once we normalize this, yeah, you right. know, like <laughs> there's a Halliburton ad in left field during the Astros mm-hmm. games. So yeah, um, coffins are us. Um, <laughs> what's next down for you? <laughs> All right, the last down for me is uh, damn Dodgers. Good Dodgers are good. Yeah, I, I take Aww. back anything I said about them. Luke Jackson kind of looks like Fred Durst. <laughs> <laughs> the last down for me this week is a uh, is a conversation that broke out on baseball Twitter this Tuesday afternoon. No, next, no more conversations <laughs> from baseball Twitter. Conversations from baseball Twitter. That's where we get the 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 best of content, the worst of content. That's going to be the name of my memoir. <laughs> content from baseball Twitter. <laughs> conversations from baseball twitter there you go this comes from uh one and i'll and i'll say his name only because he was the one who tweeted it and i've said therefore is the one who has to stand behind it it's from uh one kevin goldstein a former executive with the with the houston astros current writer at Fangraphs. he tweeted today i learned i'm the only person in the world oh my god ops like a word like rhymes with cops or mops or hops. I appreciate that he gave three different examples of in case you weren't sure after the first one. It's uh, sketchy how we pronounce hops. <laughs> gotta make sure. H H O P S. Uh instead of <laughs> saying the three letters, I will not Is change that a new it stat and continue. It's <laughs> like proprietary information invented by baseball prospectus. <laughs> and continue to believe that all of you are wrong. What? Now I, I really appreciate that many, many other members of baseball Twitter chimed in to say, what the fuck, dude? But there was a not insignificant number of other writers who said, oh, yes, I do this too. You say ops? You say, wow, this guy has an 800 ops. No, you don't. I don't yeah. believe that. I, you say, wow, this guy's got a 114 Wurruka. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? 
What's forgot happening the plus? here? You forgot the plus. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. This is obviously wrong. You obviously say OPS. I think Craig Goldstein, I retweeted his tweet. Uh, stats you say is words. Babip, ISO, Woba, Slug, FIP, Whip, and War. And then all the other stats you say them as letters. I agree with Craig. I do think there is a little bit of a look in the mirror moment as to how we got there. Those are right, but why? I mean, I know some of the ones that you say the letters of, you can't really pronounce them like op, op, that just is not right. Yeah. Era, that's a different word. Ops, that's a different word. I understand why you say those as letters, but like, why don't you say FIP? Why don't you say ISO? I, it's just it's just a question. I'm just asking questions. No. <laughs> wow, we reached the just asking questions part of it. I became a boss and and you became a devil's advocate. This is a tough podcast for us. Uh no, you're you're absolutely right. I also think that some of these stats were designed so that you could say them as words, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. something like BABIP. No one expected you to be like, so what's his B-A-B-I-P? Like that was that was never a conversation. I saw Lindsay uh, Adler, <laughs> friend of the show, been on the show, um, interacts with the show all of the time. I I hope that there's I, I'm not slandering Lindsay or anything, but I saw Lindsay being like, I won't say BABIP. I will only say batting average on balls in play. And I'm just like, you're losing so many seconds of your life. Yeah, what? <laughs> I, I know I'm losing so many seconds of my life recording this podcast for three hours every week, but just say BABIP. It's okay. I think people just don't want to say Bobip. Do people say that? Some people say Babip. So Jarrett Seidler saying that he says Babip. A lot of people just saying bad takes that they have for no reason online today. (laughs) Right. I mean, I've, well, this is the thing where like, I mean, a lot of, a lot of us just know each other through online. So you don't, you never get the benefit of like learning someone about this upfront. All of a sudden someone just like tweets and says, no, I say draw. <laughs> I say oozer. I say, you know? I say and you're like, durs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I'm glad that we met in person. Our initial interaction wasn't online. I am. Uh, I'm glad for that as well. All right. Enough. Enough time. Spent. Imagine if I saw the reason that we became friends. I saw your A's hat and I walked up to you and I said, go as. <laughs> You know, more defensible than you walking up and saying "Go AS." So got that <laughs> go <process>. AS. <laughs> All right, my final down this week is um, this is a quick one. I just hate how Fox mics their games. I hate the mix mm-hmm. of their broadcast. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the crowd noise is really loud, and other times it cuts out when the announcer starts talking. Uh, I, listen, I know I'm the annoying audio guy sometimes about certain things, but why am I hearing the ump tell me where the ball is missing? If you're going to force the K zone down my throat, I don't also need to hear the ump tell me where it missed. I see mm-hmm. a picture on the screen of where it missed, literally. It's like, there's a picture of it. That's it. It's just the Fox broadcasts. If you want to make a big sweeping claim out of it, it's just another example of local broadcasts doing it well all year and then a national broadcast just not being equipped to do it as well. Just a slightly worse product. Here you go. Right. At the oh, most important sometimes- time. Sometimes the people who do this year round and are on the ground doing it day in and day out are better than the people who just swoop in to do it for like a week. Just a thought. Hmm. Um, All right, let's move to up. All right, first up for me is uh, like an actual news item, which I think in any other context we may have talked about up top. Uh, 
but we gave Josh Gondelman 20 minutes to talk about the Red Sox instead. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Such is life. Uh, this comes from the New York Post. Major League Baseball is in talks to launch a nationwide streaming service for home games without cable TV. Wow. That's right, folks. You cord cutters have got something coming for you. Your time is here. Alex, I feel like we did it. You know? You make enough jokes about Field of Dreams. You put a little blackout thing on a <laughs> <laughs> on the game where the ghosts come back to life. And they just feel the pressure. They feel the heat. I'm taking full they credit do. for this one. No one else has ever brought this up. Ever. It's no. just us. Yeah, you disparage the game enough. And they're like, fuck it, fine. We'll give you what you want. <laughs> it really does feel like, all right, damn. You could have it. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, now, okay, yes. So uh, the you can read more details about this in the New York Post article. It's uh, the the link is in the notes. Obviously, details are relatively scant at this point. It's these are just discussions that are being had. Although they say it could launch as early as the twenty twenty three season, I will believe it when I see it. Again, regional streaming networks are not going to give this up very easily because yeah. they currently have the exclusive rights to broadcast these games and don't care. <laughs> nope. I, I don't care. And you don't care. Let them fight. And, give me the baseball. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the NBA and the NHL are also said to um, be interested in partnering with MLB on this. And oh. uh, <laughs> Let's go get it all in the same place. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, and uh, and then and then we're gonna see uh, and then we're gonna see NBC partnering for their uh, for their you know daytime shows, and then ABC is gonna say, okay, well we want to get in on this streaming package, and then and then collectively and then it will cost one twenty nine ninety nine a month, right. and Ex- you get they give you a cable that you can connect it to your TV. <laughs> It's going to be so easy. Wait a second. Wait wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Bauman was way out ahead of this. I just had to say. He was (laughs) way out ahead of this. (laughs) No, obviously this is like a a net good, like for the game, for baseball fans, this would be a good thing. But, you know, we're, there's a huge gap to uh, overcome for this to actually happen. But it's a, it's a step in the right direction. Once again, public shaming works. Bullying yes. works. Just saying it. More on this when it actually happens and we actually yep. know the terms of it. Uh, exactly. My first up this week is offense. I feel like there was so much discourse this whole season with the sticky stuff, with the growth of pitcher development and the um, the honing of pitches and pitch tunneling and everything that went into the, do we need to move the mound back? Do we need to make drastic changes to level the playing field for hitters? All of that stuff is still probably true definitely true in a cosmic sense in a future of the game existential sense but when I sit down to watch a baseball game in October and I see explosive offenses doing their thing and it's really hard to get outs again I think that is truly one of the most beautiful things in baseball is when this is going to sound cruel but I know that you know what I mean I know the list, hope the listeners know what I mean when a pitcher is just out there on a literal island just scratching and clawing to try to get outs it's just one of the most naked things in all of sports and it's what makes baseball so unique. It's like if someone had to shoot a free throw to start every basketball play. <laughs> and I just like, when the offense is good, you know, we've seen the Red Sox explode. Houston's offense is obviously still really good. Um, the Braves have been able to outscore 
both the Brewers and now the Dodgers, you know, as we record this, the Dodgers are making their big comeback in game three, but it, it takes balance. It takes scoring. It takes hitting. I mean, I know this seems obvious to say, but you got to score runs to win. And those are, that creates some of the most exciting electric October moments, even though I love a good pitcher's duel as well. Um, I've, I've been enjoying, been enjoying the hits, Alex play the hits. That's what they say. Yeah. Offense is, uh, it's good. Lots of lots of hand wringing over uh, rising strikeouts and you know a decline in fundamentals baseball all for naught right one postseason has changed everything no not quite <laughs> well, maybe not uh, you're next up uh, my next up is this guy I don't know if you've heard of him Kike Hernandez oh yeah. Kike. So Josh that's it. got that's, you. That's, Josh got that's you. He convinced you. <laughs> yes. What? Well, yeah. I listeners will know Kike Hernandez has been a a longtime pod favorite, and frankly, it's so great to see him getting his shine this postseason and just be the absolute blistering hottest hitter in all of baseball. I mean, at one point yesterday, he had more home runs than strikeouts this postseason. Like I, you're doing when you've had five home runs and you have had four strikeouts, I'd say you're doing uh, all right. You're achieving the goal. This is, this man is a, a one true outcomes king. <laughs> what are the weighted runs created there? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There's no, there's no analysis here. There's no take. It's just, he's a, he's a very joyous man who I enjoy and and like somewhat un, unassuming, you know? I mean, he's not a massive star. He is not an uh a extremely large dude. He's relatively small as far as professional athletes go, and yet he is out here just putting the team on his back. Him and along with every other Red Sox player who's hit a grand slam this postseason. Yeah. But, Kyle Schwarber helps too. Um yeah. <laughs> JD Martinez remembered how to hit home runs. Uh, Kike is the best. I love Kike. This is a good one. Um, we're a, bit, a little bit pressed for time here, so I will move on to my next up. Uh, Max Scherzer getting his first career save in Game Five against the Dodgers' rival. Uh, this was a really cool moment. Now, Max Scherzer has—he's not like a Dodgers legend. He is not. I'm sure that he's endeared himself to the fan base with how well he's played. But from for an individual player perspective, for him to have done all of the stuff that he has done, Cy Young's with two different teams, potentially a third different team this year. Um, obviously, the huge contract that worked out, <laughs> the rare contract where, where even the uh, most neoliberal of or, or neocon of baseball media people have to admit that this contract was good for the team that signed it. Um, and then obviously everything he did in the World Series run with the Nationals pitching on his throw day, all of that whole rotation doing all that stuff. Um, I loved to watch him get one more notch in his belt of this uh, just truly absurdly decorated baseball career that he has had to this point. It's incredible because it started off so unassumingly, right? He really didn't hit his stride. He was like 25, 26. Remember when Max Scherzer was on the Tigers? Yeah, dude. Barely. <laughs> yeah, he won a Cy Young. Remember he was when he was on the Diamondbacks? No, 
That I don't remember. I'm All just right. going to be honest. <laughs> that I actually don't. <laughs> yes. Everything you said is true. Max Scherzer deserves everything he's getting and, and more. All right. Last up for me is a three-part story. I know we're pressed for time. I, I'm going to make it quick. I promise you, Bobby. I guess it's a four-part story, so I'm already, I'm already lying to you. Uh, some of you may remember a, a few games ago, Carlos Correa hit a towering home run, turned and pointed to the, the dugout, the Houston Astros dugout, pointed to his watch and said, it's my time. Part two of this story. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez got Carlos Correa out, turned to him, pointed to his watch, tapped his, uh, tapped his wrist indicating that it was not, in fact, Correa's time. It was uh, Rodriguez's time. Part three of the story is Alex Cora <laughs> admonishing his pitcher for, for doing that, for taunting Correa back using the, the, the same taunt that Correa used. To his... I'm not even going to read what Cora said. Um, but part four of this is Correa turning out to be the good guy and saying, I thought it was kind of cool. It's just the way baseball should trend going forward. We talk about baseball growing and more people come in to watch the sport. You need to have more things like that. You need to let the people have fun and the game should move in that direction where you can show emotions and be yourself and keep it real. Wow. Alex becomes That's a fucking GM. right, Carlos Correa. And a Carlos Correa apologist in the same episode? Come on. This is a tough beat for me right now. <laughs> Been no, a tough okay. postseason right. for me, really. This is right. He did the right thing. This whole thing was just felt like it was created in a baseball Twitter lab. It literally did. I'm we have all the characters here. It's good though. It's all in good fun. Okay. My final up this week, and I will end the podcast on this, is our two hundredth episode coming up. This is a plug again, Alex. I told the listeners that I would follow up again at the end of this episode. Uh two hundredth episode is is a cool milestone, even though milestones are kind of arbitrary, especially in podcasting. Um, we already passed our four-year mark, which I think is just as big of an accomplishment, and we didn't blow it out quite as much as we're doing for this 200 thing. But um, please write in. Please give us good questions to answer, even if those questions are completely unrelated to baseball. TippingPitchesPod at gmail.com. Tipping underscore pitches on Twitter. You can DM them to us so that we can keep a record of them. Please don't just tweet them at us on the timeline. That will be hard to keep track of. <laughs> um, 785-422-5881 is our voicemail. That's it, Alex. That ends the podcast. Do you have anything else that you want people to know? Anything specific that you want them to ask questions about? No, I'd prefer um, as obscure as possible. You know, if you're curious, like what our iPhone settings are. <laughs> um, Light mode forever. What we've... What we what we wrote about is our like senior thesis and oh, college talk. Wow. You know, I'll talk, talk about that. To, yeah, talk talk to me about it, about about oil drilling and and fucking climate change in Louisiana and shit. Like let's let's talk get to it. me about public space being used to create basketball courts in New York City. <laughs> That's fucking right. It's gonna be a self indulgent podcast. I'm just saying it's gonna be pretty insufferable. So at least y'all gonna make it fun for us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you next week. Hello, everyone. 
everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!